fellas, don't drink that coffee. get to do Twin Peaks podcasts. It's true. Yeah. These are fun. Yeah. And stand-up's not... Like, the problem that happened is that the sketches, like, we were hoping to break big, you know? But, like, stand-up, it's like, I have to treat it like a job, you know? Yeah. So sometimes it's just real <laughs> shitty. <laughs> yeah. But I get to open for Scott Thompson this weekend, so... That's amazing. I'll take it. Is he just going to do, is he going to do buddy the whole time? I don't know, but you're the second person to say, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I don't, I don't even, even know. I didn't know that I knew he, Scott Thompson did stand up. I don't think he does stand up. I think it's going to be, I hope he just tells stories. Like I'm well, sure see, was, what happened was we've, I've well, done this we, before. Let's, let's do like, let's just get into it. Cause this is probably oh. more interesting than us talking about twin peaks. Welcome back to dish in the percolator. I'm here. My name's Sean. Dallas is here. Dallas is opening up for Scott Thompson this weekend in San Diego. Scott Thompson hall. of Kids in the Hall fame. Um, I'm a huge fan. You're a huge yeah. fan. Yeah. I'm. I can't wait to hear what this is going to be. Well, it's kind of like the uh, Kids in the Hall are like one of the reasons that we started writing comedy. Yeah. And for like, people I mean, who don't, we've ne- we've never talked about this. You and I for like probably what almost eight years did sketch comedy in san diego and in los angeles yeah uh, we members of our group have gone on to do um work in television you being one of them um it was one of my like the best times of my life it was really fun but beyond beyond like some of this other stuff we've talked about doing music doing stand-up you and i kind of really became friends doing sketch comedy like and taking it like really seriously for many years <laughs> So it's yeah, cool. It was, it's cool uh, that you're getting to yeah. open up for a guy who we spent so many hours watching and laughing at. So, yeah, it was. I mean, for me, it was Kids in the Hall, Monty Python, and then like the early, like the mid '90s, early '90s of Saturday Night Live were like yeah. the things for me. And then as we got, you know, as we got older, Mr. Show came into play. But, um, but yeah, Kids in the Hall, just like so, everything was so funny. Like I, I, I could rewatch those all the time. And you did remember they used to re-air them, dude. Every every I remember what time on Comedy Central, two o'clock. Yeah. They would do an hour. Yeah, they would do. It this was, was before like the DVDs came out. And I would watch it not every day. What's it's, um, what's been fun for me is watching how all of the like influences in our life, and almost like across the board, we've encountered like i'm thinking of i don't know if we've told the story or not but like mystery science theater for me was like i discovered that when i was like 11 and and then the story is that what the bar that you and i just spent our 20s in you were doing a, a, a pub trivia night and the guys all just showed up yeah. <laughs> like mike nelson kevin murphy and um one of them forgetting one of the guy's names. Um, oh, Bill oh, Corbett. All Bill sh- Corbett. They, they all just showed up and started heckling you like it was an episode of Mystery Science Theater. And you called me. You're like, you have to come down yeah. right now. And I did. And it was amazing. <laughs> but I'm just thinking you now, like all of these people who were so influential, like we've ran into. And for the yeah. most part, they've been awesome stories of like, they weren't jerks. They were nice. Yeah, it is really, really weird. And and it's you know uh like the one i mean honestly i don't and i don't mean to bring it down but the one guy that i really wanted to meet was rickles oh yeah and uh and that was rough i don't know if you've talked about it on the podcast but no i don't think we have but sean and i are both humongous don rickles fans and have been before i even started doing stand-up i was i was a big don rickles fan and i think we saw him together before i even did stand-up we saw him in, in san diego 
And it was it was kind of that when we saw him, it was like kind of the last hurrah. Like sure. he was he was never the same after I saw him that that year. Like because I saw him again maybe three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. And he was like he was clearly older. Dude, that, uh, didn't but you know dance what's funny? around. That was that was ten years ago. Was that, it? <laughs> that was like nine or ten years ago that we oh, saw him. Jesus. So like he still he still had like shows coming up when he died. Yeah, he. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, he was incredible. I, and honestly, like, I got more phone calls, emails, and texts on that day. Just people <laughs> saying, "I'm really sorry. I hope you're doing okay." <laughs> yeah. I mean, my because thing, it, uh, yeah. Rickles was amazing. He was just like. You know, I wrote a little thing, but about him, but it was just—he's one of those dudes who took something that people were kind of doing, kind of, yeah, and just made it an art form. And I don't know if there'll ever be another no, one. <clears throat> no one could do what he did the way he did it. I recommend watching um, Mr. Warmth, uh, yeah. which is a, a documentary that I think who did who John Landis did. Yeah, John Lannis. Or Ivan um, Reitman? No, John Lannis. No, John, John Lannis. Lannis. Uh, it's it's totally worth watching. He was he was one of a kind. And yeah, I got a lot of, like, I remember my wife texted me. and was like, hey, sorry, you know, for, and I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, no. And it was like, but right, I, I'm with you, though. It's really funny. But I my response was like, look, it's sad, but man, we had 90 years of him. Like, we were, yeah. lu- we were lucky, you know. Yeah, and I got to see him. I think if I didn't get to see him, I, I would have. Yeah, it would have been worse. I saw, him at, that I, got- I saw him. I saw him. If I'm if I'm 80 years old, which is when, how old he was when we saw him, if yeah. I'm able to be in any way, and not not even just as a comedian, but like as a human being, like to exceed like expectations <laughs> yeah. the way he did, like yeah. even just as a human being, like that's something to aspire to, like beyond selling out. Um, you know, Humphreys by the Bay at 80. Like, just let me get up that day and have a good day. It's something Seriously. to like. <laughs> but I think it's also like something to say about having a job you love. Like, he loved doing it. It kept him young. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, maybe without that, maybe without that job, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, live to be as long as, live as long as he did. But Put anyway, some skates on your face and skate. Don Rickles, uh, rest in peace. As far as I know, he was not in the, cast for season three but <laughs> but i'm excited to see twin i'm excited to open for scott thompson and i'll tell you this story here's why i'm worried i was going to say this and then you said let's get it going but a couple of years ago a few years ago yeah i and two of my uh, good comedian friends greg santos and billy bonnell the three of us opened for uh chris Catan. yes and we thought it was going to be awesome because we're like, Chris Kattan, you know, this is cool, man. He's doing a tour. He's doing stand-up. You know, a lot of these guys are doing stand-up now because they can go and sell out a club for a weekend and make a good amount of money. And, you know, Dave Foley's on the road doing stand-up. A lot of these guys do it. And it's it's fine. The Broken Lizard guys go do a show, a lot, like the two of them yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do a show. So, like, whatever, you know, it, it doesn't matter. But we were like, okay, well, and it was the three of us, and he was going to do 30 minutes. And so the three of us were splitting up the rest of the time. Sure. And, like, we were, we were kind of interchanging. So one time I would host, and the next night Greg would host, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Out of the first night, he came to the show, and he was clearly, like, wigged out of his mind. And I'm not sure if it was, like, drugs or painkillers because he his body is funky and he told us it was from all the falls and stuff that he's taken sure Um, but he was he got up and he just told stories but they weren't really great stories and then he was like you guys remember uh, mango mango and then he would like do a couple mango lines and he's like yeah that that was a fun time and then he would do like another (laughs) character and just do a couple lines and we're like oh no and people were like getting up and leaving people were booing him no and so the next day the owner of the club goes, hey, I've asked his manager if he hosts and you guys do the stand-up. So he can come out between you guys and like do some characters and then you guys go out and do stand-up. And I was like, dude, okay. And then the manager said, no, that's not going to happen. And so we got there early yeah, and we helped him write. Stand oh, up. that's so sweet. Like the three of us sat around and just helped him like form some jokes and form some stories and stuff. And like try to do it, and like that that night was a, a little better. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we it was, by the end of the the run, he actually had a nice little thirty minutes of of kind of <laughs> content. And oh. we we're like, oh, okay, cool, you know. And it was like such an experience to work with him, right? <laughs> Here's yeah. the best. 
<laughs> so at the end of the night, the comics get on stage and they line up for pictures, you know? Yeah. And Billy and Greg and I were like, oh, hell yeah, let's get a picture with Chris Catania. Let's be great. So we go up on stage and we put our, we go up there. We're like, hey, man, all right, let's take a photo. And he's like, cool. He's like, you guys enjoy the show? And we're like, what? He didn't remember who we were. Oh, no. <laughs> we had worked with him for two days on his own oh, stand-up. No. And got him. Are you sure he there wasn't was... just being like, Do you guys en- did you guys enjoy the show? No like... idea. No oh. clue. <laughs> no, he had no idea who we were. Yeah. There's a picture of it somewhere, and it's just all of us trying not to cry from laughing. Because he did not know who we were. The only thing I know about Scott Thompson is from like the, the documentaries about their tour, is I'm just going to say... He seems a little high maintenance, so I'm hoping that oh, yeah. I'm hoping he's not. I'm hoping he's nice to you. I think I'm going to take him to the neighborhoods. <laughs> What's that? You know the neighborhoods, the gay neighborhoods. Oh well, I mean, like, is that like Hillcrest? Is that where Hillcrest and the Uni Heights? Yeah. Um, why don't you not? Why don't you not? Want, maybe you want to ask him where he wants to go. No, I don't think he wants to hang out with you. He probably doesn't. <laughs> I don't think it's like it's like Dave Keckner where he you're gonna get an invite to lunch. Uh I don't know. If you get an you invite to know. lunch from Scott Thompson, I'll be very impressed. Hey hey Dallas. Yeah, sorry. We should probably talk about Twin Peaks. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're almost to the end of this thing. Are you, how you feeling, bud? You got you've watched this one. This is episode 21 of the second season. This is called Miss Twin Peaks. Buddy, you have one more episode to go of season two. Um, this episode, I mean, in, well, in general, I feel good. I'm ex- like, I'm now getting excited for season three. Yeah. Um, mainly because I'm just really interested to see what season three is, as yeah. I think everyone is. Yeah, sure. Um, but like, you know, just having the technology like, and, and having the ability to do yeah, like the star, like a perfect example of star Wars movies. Like I know people hate them and stuff, the new ones, rogue one and all that stuff and force awakens, but they just like those. It's, it's all like, they like them right away. And then they hate them now because they're like, well, we rewatched it. And yeah, the story sucks. And I'm like, Mm. okay, whatever. Um, but here's the thing, like the star Trek movies, the star Wars movies, the reason why I dig them so much is because they're just cool to, to look at like they're, the technology is just so current. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just interested to see what they do with that, with Twin Peaks. Um, and I feel like this episode in particular felt a little different than all the episodes okay. so far. Okay. Like it just felt way more like um, almost like a law and order to me. <laughs> um, like very procedural, very like – we knew something was going to get get figured out by the end of it. Yeah. Um, just the way the pacing and the way they set it up. And then, uh, but I like the pacing and it was kind of like a good mix of, to me, it was a good mix of like weird David Lynch with like normal David Lynch. Okay. If that makes sense. Sure. Um, and it was I... so far the best, the best disguise for Wyndham Earl. <laughs> Like I didn't even catch it until. Oh really? Okay. Until Bobby approached him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't um, even know. I want to. I want to make a comment on a few things you said. So, um, yeah. when you say, um, "I can't you wait say- for season three, what's funny about that is you still haven't seen the finale, or the movie, which is like a huge chunk of what Twin Peaks is, and then also. You're the worst kind of Twin Peaks fan, or even if you're not, if you you wouldn't declare yourself one, in that you're like, oh, I can't wait to see season three, and it's like happening in four weeks, where literally some of us have waited a quarter of a century. So the people who yeah, are just well, now watching it fault. for the first time, <laughs> if I only could have followed your path and then not had to wait so long. <laughs> But no, I'm stoked. I'm stoked for you. But I, it, it is funny to hear you say, "Yeah, I can't wait for season three when like there's still we still have so much to go. Even though we don't have a lot of time left, you know, we have one episode and one movie. I mean, in the end, we're talking about three hours of Twin Peaks when we've watched, you know, twenty nine hours of it. It's a big three hours. So, um, all right. 
But let's I'm get game, into it. Man. And it's interesting too, because like you said, that you good David Lynch, bad David Lynch. David Lynch had nothing to do with this episode. Uh, Gordon Cole isn't even in this, so he wasn't. I mean, he might have been around, but um, this was written by Barry Pullman, who's written multiple episodes, directed by Tim Hunter, who I know has directed at least one other one, maybe more than one. Um, he directed one of the first episodes, maybe episode two from the first season. Um, but anyway, he's back to do this one. And uh, overall, Bill Pullman. I, yes, Bill Pullman. I like this episode. It's really setting us up for the finale. Um, sometimes painfully so, where you're like, okay, come on, Cooper. Could you not have seen this coming? But anyway, we've got to get to where we're going to get right to get to the finale. So we've, we've been building up to a lot of things throughout the last five or six episodes. And we kind of approach them finally here. So, um, anyway, this is Miss Twin Peaks. This is episode 21. We start out at, uh, Wintermerle's Chateau de Flute. Uh, Leo is tied up. Major Briggs is, is tied up. He's all drugged out. Um, Leo, Leo seems like sometimes he's kind of with it. Sometimes he's not, but this, at this moment, he's at least with it enough where he's going to try to grab a key to try to escape. But unfortunately, his key does not unlock his uh, handcuffs. It does actually unlock Major Briggs's like leg shackle. So Leo is our hero, right? He un- he sure. frees Major Briggs. Leo does has has Leo done anything productive in two seasons of television? Is this the first thing? Well, he that- thought about saving the beer guy. Did he? Yeah, he didn't really. He just didn't want to give him the arrow. No, I said he thought about it. I didn't say he saved him. Yeah, yeah. He clearly had an internal struggle for for ten seconds. Sure. Yeah, he maybe he saw like kind of a younger Leo in that guy. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I really like this kid. <laughs> um, that guy's. What was that guy's name from Back to the Beach? I posted oh, a photo. I posted a photo of him because you posted something on Facebook about. Most underrated sports movie, and of course, my answer to you would be Back to the Beach, because <laughs> there's it. It ends with a surf contest. I think there you go. Yeah, that's true. Um, Dude, get out of the water. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Robin. She can't even swim. <laughs> oh, I think I'm watching Back to the Beach tonight. This is going to be a really short contest. Okay. <laughs> Uh, okay. After we're done with Twin Peaks, we're just going to do a podcast about the movie Back to the Beach that never ends. Like, I'll just keep finding things to talk about. Leo is our hero. But, you know, it is, this is self-motivated. He wants him to go save Shelly. And he says so. He says, save Shelly. What Leo doesn't realize is Major Briggs is not going to remember any of this because Major Briggs is like a, a space case. He's been drugged. We know this. Um... But Leo loves Shelley. He's a, he's still a romantic, um, you know. After all these years. After all these years, um, and then uh oh, there was a commercial break. You know what? I'm gonna. I was, you're talking about the special effects. I'm gonna really not miss the commercial breaks. Um, <laughs> there's a there's been a couple of them that have bothered me, and this is one of them where it's like, oh, we're right back in the same scene, and now of course when Merle showed up, and oh, you released. Major Briggs, how could you? This is a scene that gets talked about a lot because something's going on with Earl, man. His face is all white and his teeth are all blacked out and it's really creepy. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed that or not. His appearance is different than it is even like in the next scene. Um, uh, I did not really notice that, no. Okay. It's, it's pretty scary. I'm sure a lot of you who have seen this before um, have noticed it. But he says uh, he's not going to punish him. He's got a new game for Leo. Um, it's something, though, worth worth kind of pointing out, though, that he does have this kind of different appearance. But it goes away. It's kind of strange. It's not really, not really mentioned. Um, so back at the double R, uh, Norma has some pies she's made for the pageant. Um, and I was making the notes myself. I, I really need to work on my cherry pie recipe in the next four weeks, you know, before season three airs, I got to have some pie that night. Um, Are you going to make some pie? 
I gotta make some pie, right? Oh heck yeah, man! It seems like the thing to do. I gotta. I'm gonna have a party, even if it's just for myself. Um, gotta have some coffee, you know, some cherry pie, some damn um, fine coffee. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah. Okay, so um, if you're listening to this and you have a good pie recipe, send it our way. Tweet me at PercolatorPod. Um, there's a funny line in here where they're talking about how um, which cat which cat was that? I only have one. Oh, which one is it? Uh, Simon. Okay, Simon. The one Hi, named after Paul Simon. Hi, Simon. Um, Shelly has a funny line about how, like, I think Annie mentions, like, oh, they need that day to, like, kind of celebrate. And Shelly says something like, oh, I think we need more than a day. Um, which is very, like, kind of funny for Shelly. Um I guess Norma won the contest 20 years ago. So she's a judge. Uh, Shelly and Annie take turns kind of buttering up to see who they're going to vote for because Shelly and Annie are both entering the, the contest. And we'll find out. Um, Audrey's in Ben's office. Ben arrives with a bunch of like books, religious books, books on enlightenment. He's searching for the secret of life. He thinks the secret's somewhere in the books. Um, Audrey has a really kind of like clumsy line about how John is gone and she's like I hope it doesn't hurt this much in a week and we're like considering what we know just that we knew happened like the last episode yikes hey yo hey yo um and then come on Barry Pullman yeah yeah Ben's trying to console her which like he's not great at um you know, she's like, I'm afraid I'll never see him again. And I wrote down, we don't care. We didn't have enough time with the two of you to really form a connection. So I just feel like the whole, as much as I like Billy Zane, I just never really bought the two of them. It just seems so forced. Um, well, I mean, like, I don't know, obviously, if he ever comes back. So I, it does seem like weird. Like he was there for a couple episodes. We didn't know why he was there. And then he was gone. Yeah, it just, now, let me not complain. I love Billy Zane, but it was just weird. It was like he just came there to distract Audrey or get her away from Cooper or something. Like why couldn't Billy Zane have like stayed and like helped? Like wouldn't wouldn't have been rad if Billy Zane just was, like showed up at the Miss Twin Peaks pageant and like punched Windermere in the face. Like yeah. he's, he's got that kind of it that's in his wheelhouse. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Billy Zane. It just seemed underused. Um oh, Yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, look at whatever. That's my hot take on on John Justice Wheeler. Um, anyway, this scene goes on too long. She's she tells Ben about her trip to Seattle. The packets are funneling money into Ghostwood the project through the savings and loan. Ben keeps hammering her at her about the running for Miss Twin Peaks, even though it's the day of the pageant. Like I feel like there was a deadline. I don't think she can still get in. I think the rules are a little loosey-goosey. But we're going to see that she can still get in, <laughs> even like a few hours before. Um, did she learn the dance? I don't even know. I don't think she's in the dance. Okay. Moving on to important things. <laughs> At the station, the, sher the sheriff station. Andy is obsessed with this petroglyph. We've seen him studying this petroglyph for the last couple episodes. Um, Agent Cooper's worried about Major Briggs considering he's disappeared and he knows what Wyndham's involvement with project blue book. Um, he's worried. He should be worried. We know he should be worried. Uh, at this point, Coop mentions to Harry something he hasn't told him yet about when Josie died, how he and we, the audience, um, saw him see Bob. So he then kind of talks about how he has this hunch that Bob kind of lives off fear because he mentions how Josie was very afraid um, when she died. She, he says she was quaking with fear. Um, mm -hmm. So Coop has this theory that Bob, you know, feeds off the fear um, that, you know, he, Bob comes from the Black Lodge, that the Black Lodge is what Harry has described as the evil in these woods, which he, he mentioned really early on in season one. Um we see Wyndham Earl is listening to all this because he's planted that bonsai tree in the sheriff's office. And this is a kind of big moment for Wyndham Earl. Um, Coop gives him this kind of clue as into 
what it takes to kind of enter into this place called the Black Lodge. So um, this kind of just rings a bell for Wyndham as being the thing he needs. So he mentions, oh, we know the time, we know the place, and now we know um, kind of the key to get in is fear. Um, and now that he has all this information, Wyndham Earl is now ready to go and uh, leave. He leaves Leo. It's, it's kind of like this tearful goodbye. Not really. Um, but when he leaves, we see what he had in mind when he said he's got a new game for you. So Leo is on the ground. He's got a string in his mouth and we kind of slowly pan up the string to see that it's attached to a, like a little flimsy cage of tarantulas. Um, Mates for life. Tarantulas. Do you want to tell that story about tarantulas? Uh, when I was 21, when I turned 21, we went to an Irish bar that was downtown San Diego with um, uh, several people, one of them being uh, Matt Gorney. And Matt Gorney used to do this thing where he would just yell a bunch about tarantulas. And Did he would he? say tarantulas, mates for life. Because it's true, tarantulas mate for life, right? They're like if one mono- dies, I guess so. If one dies, the other one spends the rest of its life searching for it. So he kept loudly proclaiming this at the bar. And we were cut off. The bartender said we were too drunk. The the joke to that is that I think I had two drinks. <laughs> and uh and yeah, it was a bummer. But yeah. for yeah, now for the rest of the time though we say tarantulas mates for life. Don't drink with our friends if you like don't want to get cut off at two beers. Also not poisonous, by the way. Well maybe these are special tarantulas. You think so? I mean, Windermerle did have like the internet in the eighties. You think these ones don't believe in monogamy? <laughs> I think there was three of them. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so they're Mormon tarantulas. Mm, okay. Um, Leo. I hope you make it out, Leo. Um, okay, here we go. Miss Twin Peaks rehearsals. So now Pinkle's the choreographer. Um, he really is like the Twin Peaks renaissance man. So he's like a salesman, a choreographer, like event planner. Event planner. Um, I wonder if that was just like, hey, can we? Do you think we can get Squiggy into this show somehow? Like someone said that, and then he just became a thing. <laughs> we have Riff and Tony. Do you think we get Squiggy? Yeah, because it's it's still weird to me that he's even in this show, and then the things they have him doing, it's just like, yeah, put Pinkle in there. He can do it. Um, yeah. It makes sense, though. So, yeah, he's doing this choreography and it's really creepy and whatever. What did you expect? Um, Lana, who's determined to rig this pageant any way she can. Um, and I wrote this in my notes, and it's, you know, I wrote Lana drags Dick into the storage room. <laughs> That's inappropriate. Now, That's appropriate, like, summary of let's, the episode. Let's, let's move on. I know what they should <laughs> That would have been rad if that was the name of this episode. <laughs> Lana Drasdick. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, okay, so Cooper is at the Great Northern, and um, did you know that David Lynch is really into meditation? I could have assumed. He's like really into it. I'm hoping that season three isn't just 18 hours of David Lynch talking about meditation, because it seems like it potentially. There's a, there's like there's a non-zero chance that it's wait, wait, wait. just but if it's David Lynch actually David Lynch talking about meditation I might be on board for that. I trust me I've I've listened to it. It's it gets it, it, you it's exciting for a little bit. You got to center yourself. It is. Yeah, I'll send you uh, there's there's some I listen to a podcast called uh, yeah. Doug Loves Movies. And it's a is podcast it Doug, with- Is that Doug Doug Benson? Yes, in his recent episode he had, he had Bobby Briggs on. Oh, yo, really? Um, Dana, Dana Ashbrook. Yeah, Dana Ashbrook. He was a guest on the show. And uh, everyone was freaking out because they're all big Twin Peaks fans. And um, they talked about the documentary Art Life or something like that. There's some documentary about David Lynch called Art Life, and it's just about okay. him and his paintings. Okay. And he was I don't like, think I've seen that. Somebody was like, oh, that sounds oh, interesting. Oh, like, I know not, it's not, it's it's not called art. 
It's not called Art Life. It's pretty as a picture. Something like that. But it's all about him no. painting, not about anything. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, David Lynch fans. I'm sorry. I think that's what it's called. Pretty as a picture. I think I have it. I didn't think it was terrible, but I don't know. I'm Lynch. I like Lynch's paintings. So what am I going to do? Um, okay. Anyway, this, this is Coop a canvas. Coop, as we've talked about, Cooper's kind of like he's kind of David Lynch, right? Like it's 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 like um, we talked about how it's like Mike Myers doing Doctor Evil is Lauren Michaels. So it's kind of like Kyle MacLachlan is doing David Lynch. Um, so he talks to Diane. He's talking to Diane about uh, Winter Merle. He's talking about Annie. And speak of the Heather Graham, she shows up. Um, Thank God. She wants help with her speech. And they start talking in metaphors about forests, and it's kind of weird. And then finally, like, they just get to it, and they just start doing it. Um, and, like, I think he says, I don't want to talk about trees anymore. But I wrote, like, I kind of wish that they still would, you know, like, keep giving <laughs> us, like, tree metaphors. The mighty oak. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was the worst I, kissing I've ever seen on camera. Was it that bad? Ugh, it was really bad. It was like they weren't even kissing each other's mouths. They were just like open mouth pressing <laughs> their lips against each other's cheeks. Like, I know. It was very weird. Like, it's fun to see Coop happy, but you kind of also don't want to, you almost don't want to watch him be a human being. Yeah, it's weird. And although, you know, love Heather Graham, uh, yeah, all I could think of during this point part was, you know, Roller Girl. And yeah. uh, I was like, no, that's not going to happen. It's Twin Peaks. And uh, it was distracting. Sure. Uh, I turned it off and I turned on Boogie Nights. <laughs> so do I have to transition right here into the roller girl scene going forward into Boogie Nights? Yeah, sorry. Because <laughs> can we hit pause for about three hours so I can <laughs> start taking notes? I'm okay. going to be someone. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah. You don't know. You don't, you don't know. know. You don't know okay. what I have. Boogie Nights is such a good movie. Okay. Um, Nadine. Nadine has a wrestling slideshow. It's so great. Um, she she has a pretty great line about. She's like talking about this guy, and he's got this really like he's really strong. And she's like, I pinned him in a minute five. Um, it's fantastic delivery. So Jacoby has brought them together to talk because this is really kind of a weird, we've talked about this, it's a very clumsy and interesting situation where, you know, Ed really wants out of this relationship and Nadine, who is in this state where she thinks she's a high schooler, also wants out. And so I feel like they're just trying to like do as much due diligence so that they can say, we tried to explain all these things to you, Um, you know she's Nadine is saying, I'm so happy. I'm worried about Ed being sad. And then this is when he tells Nadine that Norma and he are going to get married. And she then responds. That's wonderful because Mike and me are getting married too. As she's like crushing his hand. So we've seen with Nadine where even though she's still playing it up, that she is a high schooler. um, Whenever Ed kind of really talks about this being a serious thing, like the last time it was like she realized she couldn't see out of her eye. And then this time she's like, you know, physically crushing uh, Mike's hand. So I just want to say, um, big fan of Mike in this scene. <laughs> like his reacting is literally top level. Gary, <laughs> and I'm not Gary, being sarcastic. That's Gary Hirschberger. And I will tell you, my friend, he's in the season three cast list. Oh, dude. The way he plays it, the whole scene, is just perfect. I was, I like, I'm like, I didn't like it to begin with, but I am on board with Snake right now. He's great. He's so good. I don't know if yeah. he was in, I'm sure he was in other stuff, but I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Um, Gary Hirschberger, we at Dish and the Percolator are fans. Um, we're on team, team Mike. So... Okay, Briggs is wandering in the woods. Uh, Hawk almost runs into him. Uh, takes him back to the station. 
He's drugged out of his mind. He's shaking. They know he was shot up with holoperidol, which is the drug that um, Wyndham used to fake insanity. It's the drug that uh, the one-armed man used to kind of keep from becoming um, Mike, which is like the in his spirit. Um, so he's talking about the woods. He's talking about the king of Romania. Uh, Andy is still trying to take a crack at the petroglyph. Um so this is when Cooper's talking about how the Black Lodge exists at a point in time. It has to be the right place at the right time. Andy has a funny line about how could the 4-H club have anything to do with it? And I was like, it'd be amazing if they were behind this whole thing. Like from the beginning, it was like the 4-H club. <laughs> like <clears throat> Roll credits. Um, so, sorry. I know. I'm breaking the action. Gary Hirschberger. <laughs> Yeah, he, no, no, he before Twin Peaks, he was in a bunch of like one-off roles in several very popular TV shows. Uh, Highway to Heaven, Cheers, No Twenty One Jump Street, Coach, Yeah, Yeah, Columbo, really? Yeah, and then Twin He's, Peaks. He seems and then, like the kind of guy. Wait, Coach was before Twin Peaks. Coach, it was in the eighties. Coach started in uh, nineteen eighty-nine and went to nineteen ninety-seven. My goodness. Wow. He was uh, on. He was on. He wasn't on Coach before he was in Twin Peaks. Was he on yeah. Coach in '89? He was on Coach in '89, wow. and then Columbo, 1990, right before Twin Peaks, and then Sneakers. He was in Sneakers. Wait, but it the like movie? A, yeah, but it looks like a small role. And then he was on Renegade. Oh yeah, with Lorenzo Lamas. Murder. Yeah. She wrote. Uh, so he, so he worked. He had some work. Fifty-five roles, my friend. Yeah. He was on the West Wing on Jag. Yeah, he's on Jag? He had a couple episodes. He's like one offer. Two episodes, Grey's season, Anatomy. Season three, though, right? I list him as, as a cast member, season three. He's in like all the Twin Peaks stuff. And then, yep, season three, Mike Nelson. Bingo. Bingo, bango. So he hasn't bingo. changed his name. Um, okay, <laughs> so the, the Packards, this thing just won't die. They have the box. They're still trying to get it. They're trying to open it with a vice. Finally, Andrew shoots it, um, which is like a metaphor for this whole plot thing. Like, yes, let's just shoot this. <laughs> and it's a key. I wrote, at least it's not another box. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be rad if it's just like the tiniest box. God damn it. Just, <laughs> just so you could hear Piper Laurie go, good grief. Um, How many boxes are in this thing? Butterfingers. Um, okay, so Donna dressed for the pageant. Um, if looks could kill, uh, you better watch out, everyone. She will probably kill you. Um, so she wants to talk with her parents about the truth. Uh, she wants to talk about Ben. They don't want to tell her. She's going to find out from Ben, blah, blah, blah. Can we get to the end of this? Can we find out what's happening? Okay, Andy's still he's still obsessed with the petroglyph. Um, Coop tells him that he's not wrong about 4-H. 4-H stands for Jupiter and Saturn and how when the two of those those planets align, um, there's large changes in power and fortune. Um, and so this is when uh, Briggs is starting to make sense. He says, protect the queen, let fear and love open the door. Um, Coop, like figures out and it's kind of obvious that Wyndham is after the queen whoever's going to win you know the the pageant um this point Andy who's trying to get Cooper's attention knocks over the bonsai tree they find out this has been bugged so Wyndham's been listening to them for you know a couple days now a week maybe um and they're realizing they got to get to the pageant you know because Wyndham's going to make a move but as they leave Andy's still trying to get their attention they're not listening to him I hated that. I hated that. Yeah, it's like he. Yeah, you. You would. You would answer him, right? Yeah, and Coop's never been. That that was kind of one of these times where it was like a procedural for me. Like it was Law and Order because I knew he was going to have the answer at some point during the episode that they sure. were looking for. But I mean, because it was I, so uncooper like to be like Andy, hold on. Like that's I not get it. Cooper. I get it, and we're in. He's like realizing, oh crap, Wyndham's one step ahead or multiple steps ahead. We got to get out of here. 
but they should have let Cooper get a little bit farther away from Andy. Like Andy's just like right behind him, going Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah. That's just he Cooper, Cooper's never like, done no, that. I can't. Yeah. I can't stop. Um, <clears throat> Sheriff's like race you to the pageant, Cooper. Cooper's like sorry, Andy. Can't turn around. I got to win. Can't lose the race <laughs> to the sheriff. Um, <laughs> there was a funny line in there though when he was talking about the Briggs being. Uh, oh drugged yeah, up. what does he like, say? Stuck like, full of whatever it is. And, and he's stuck oh, no, full of ahead. like Elizabeth or whatever it is. And Sheriff's like, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like actually. Sh- Wait, what did you, you know say about? one time? Like, you know, when like he, they're talking about how he's drugged up. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know what's happened to him, but I know he's shot full of, and he like says the name of the drug. And then Sheriff yeah. just goes, goes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually like, he goes, um, the queen, the queen. And then Truman goes, of Romania? <laughs> Which, yeah. Anyway, okay. So then, so we end this whole episode at the at the Roadhouse, uh, where they're holding the Miss Twin Peaks pageant. Because the Roadhouse is like, you know, we've talked about this. It's just like it's they have you can have any kind of event there. Um, You know, it's a courthouse, it's a pageant place, it's a bar, it's a convenium, is what it is. It's a convenium. (laughs) That's a San Diego joke. Um, (laughs) So. I wrote that the raincoats were a nice touch for the opening dance. Um, I now know what my Halloween costume is going to be this year. Um, Pinkle's at the bar getting handsy with the log lady, which seems like an kind of an awkward choice. Um, eh. and you, kind, you kind of wish Mike and Bobby would just like start a fight, you know? Right? Kind of? Yeah. Um, Anything, anything to stop the the clear raincoat dance. So Doc Hayward is the MC of this event, and uh, he does a pretty good job. Um, and they start out the uh, talent portion of the show with Lucy, who can dance. Apparently, we didn't know this. We're finding out so much this episode about characters we've spent so much time with. Um, Bobby's backstage. He sees Pinkle hitting on the log lady. And then when he turns back to the stage door, he sees the log lady. Although we now know it's not the log lady, it's Wyndham Merle. But it is kind of an interesting scene that when he looks back to the log lady at the bar, she's gone. Um, and that's when Wyndham, Wyndham hits him with the log. Um, which I wrote, like, Wyndham, we could have used you a while ago on this one, man. Um no, I'm just kidding. I love we love Bobby Briggs. No, I was I was really impressed with uh, the, this disguise. Best one so far. You like this one? Well, I didn't like like it, but it was just like one of those things where I was like, oh, I really thought it was the log lady until Bobby went up and he turned around. I was like, oh wow, that was actually like a pretty solid disguise. Yeah, it, this disguise leads to one of my favorite lines in the show, which is will be in the next episode, and I'll mention it when we talk about it. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> The next act is Lana doing the contortionistic jazz exotica dance. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, Audrey entered. She's up there giving her speech. Um, so, apparently, there was, like, no deadline. You could just literally show up on stage and be like, I'm in. Did I have to pay an entrance fee? Because I'm here now. So, how much? Um what happened to Bobby's body? Like, did Wyndham drag him outside? We didn't see that happen because everyone's backstage. It's yeah, weird. I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. So, because um, one of my problems with this is like, he's just like, Wyndham Earl's just like everywhere. And it's like someone would, I know he looks like the log lady. And like you said, it is a good disguise, but like someone would have seen him and been like, what are you doing? Um, Anyway, I guess I don't know. It's a TV show, so. <clears throat> but again, that's why I think that this one feels like such like a Law and Order episode where, yeah, you kind of suspend a lot of disbelief just to get sure. through to the end of it. That's fair. Um, so Ben is backstage and Donna approaches him. She starts listing off kind of. She has this list of evidence. She wants answers. Ben 
appropriately does not think this is the time or place. Um, he says, like, let's let's talk about this later. And then when he finally, she keeps bugging him, she f- starts to tell her and she doesn't want to deal with it and she bails. Of course. Um, she's off. She bails. So then Annie gives this speech and it's actually like a really good speech for someone who a few hours earlier was like, I don't know if I can do this. She's like, she quotes Chief Seattle and it's like all kind of eloquent and, you know, you can tell the judges are taken with her. And, well, yeah, um, the uh, the guy from Mad Men is like crying. <laughs> Wait, which is the oh, um, Dick D- Tremaine. Dick, Dick, Dick Tremaine. What is he in Mad Men? He's in. He's, he's not in, in Mad Men. He just looks like the guy from Mad Men, and I can't. Can I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, from season one and two. So then, yeah, and Windermere's like up in the rafters, and it's like the Broadhouse is small. No one seriously is noticing this. Okay, so Lucy, at this point, she's told us earlier she's going to make her decision. Um, to be fair, her. no one knows how big or small the roadhouse is. That I guess that's correct. Um, Depending on some, your yeah, event, you're right, it sometimes, it se- sometimes it seems huge. Yeah, sometimes like in the it's first, like In the first episode, it seemed really, really big. And then, and well, then I'm guessing that- that's, because, that's because it was a real place, right? I don't in know. the first episode, well, the pilot they shot, I think, all of it on like location, and then this was then made to be this was a set in Los Angeles, so that's probably yeah. why the roadhouse in the pilot is huge. Yeah, um, the the set they used for the rest of the show is not as big. So, um, okay, Lucy, Lucy has made her decision about who the dad's going to be of her child. She picks Andy. We're finally done with this. Dick has to go cast his vote. Um, so, okay, so Cooper knows that something's going to go down, right? Like, he's been told, like, that whoever is going to win this is going to be in trouble. And yet, mm-hmm. he's, like, so far away from the stage. It's just really frustrating watching this next scene. And I get why it has to happen. And I understand if if I'm being obnoxious by, like, talking about it. But it is like, this is an this is like an FBI guy who's like one of the best. And I wouldn't you be like closer to the stage? Maybe not. Uh, yeah, but it looked like it was kind of full. You know what I mean, though. Sure. So um, Annie wins, um, and as soon as she does, and she goes up to get the flowers and the tiara, the lights go out. Strobe's light, strobe lights hit, and then there's fog. And I was like, Wyndham's really good with theater special effects. Like, was he a theater major? Right? Like, he's got it dialed. Um, <laughs> Nadine gets sandbagged, which is kind of like, why did they do that? And then you're like, that's kind of interesting, because Nadine would have been the one who could have killed Wyndham Earl, by the way. We've seen what Nadine can do. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, oh, I saw her walking along. I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, you know, it makes sense. But, you know, obviously we're worried about Nadine. Um, so Coop then finally sees Wyndham. And as he's on his way to try to apprehend him, um, Wyndham sets off like a very well-placed explosive that just happened to be in the way. Um, Cooper gets, you know, kind of, you know, I don't know, shocked by this. He's he's down. Wyndham Earl grabs Annie, duct tapes her, gets her out of there. Um, and when Coop finally comes to and they realize she's gone, um, he's freaking out obviously because it's like he's this is like history repeating. And, um, so you know, Harry's like, don't worry, he won't get a mile out of here. So they're off, they're off to try to get him. And Coop's, you know, gonna go join him. This is when Andy finally gets him and he says something that we've known for two episodes now because this is how. Um, one of the episodes ended with Wyndham telling, basically talking to Leo, but talking to us that this is not a puzzle, it's a map. Um, and so now we know, we know the time, we know the place, and now they know how to, we know the time, we know the way to get in, and now Cooper knows where to go to get into Black Lodge. And that is how episode 21 of season two ends Dallas McLaughlin. Yeah. I didn't like the explosions very much. Like, I don't know that 
the end of it kind of bummed me out because it just was like Wyndham had to do so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, when did this happen? Like, it just didn't. I just didn't like it. Like, honestly, it was. He he would have had to have been there rigging up all that stuff, and he he was like he was in the. Uh, we see him doing some stuff like, and we see him rigging yeah. the sandbag. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean, I get that we see it. It just was, again, like you said, like nobody notices, like no one's noticing. <laughs> like it just, yeah. It seemed very weird to me, and so I, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was in, interesting and it was intense. Like they definitely made it, f- like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh I don't know. Why, why can't I think? Thrilling, well, thrilling. I, I think, <laughs> I think one of the like faults of this show was and at least this season especially was i think how it worked from what i understand <clears throat> mark frost would kind of like highlight the the bullet points like you got to get him this is what's going to happen in this episode and then the writers would kind of have to like fill in the blanks so you didn't always get the most crafted uh, again like there's a lot of great writing in season two but i think the way that it worked was they would kind of give outlines and then the writers would fill in the blanks. So you didn't have like the creator kind of doing all the work because they were all busy doing other stuff. And also it's daunting to try to write 22 episodes of television for one season, like in whatever small amount of time they had to do it. So something about season three that's exciting for me is that you have like the creators not only doing the outlines, but also filling in the blanks. And so I think that's why this all just feels inevitable, and it is. We have to get to this point. We've known ever since Wyndham Earl talked about the Queen and that Annie came on the scene. You kind of just felt it, right, that this was going to be what had to happen so that you could have this confrontation between Cooper and Wyndham, you know, going into the end of the season. And so yeah. it's, so whether I, I'm curious for you, because I've seen this episode many, many times, were you just like kind of waiting Kind of like, okay, I know what's going to happen, but how are we going to get there? Or was it like, were you surprised um, when Annie won? Did you think Lana was going to win? No, I didn't think Lana was going to win. I thought it was going to be either Annie or, um, or um, oh God, Matchin. Yeah, Shelly would have been kind of Shelley. another choice because then you're like, okay, maybe Leo's going to have something to do with this. Maybe he actually comes back and saves her. You know, yeah, I thought it was gonna be uh, Shelly or Annie, but um, yeah, that's I mean, that's why I kind of say like I feel like it was just a law and order episode where I kind of it was one of the first times I could kind of see see everything happening, sure, yeah, before it happened. And not that it was a bad thing, like I, I still enjoyed the episode, the pace of it, like, like I said, like the the Miss Twin Peaks thing, like felt like a very David Lynch thing to do, sure, because it was weird and it was like awkward. Yeah. Um, and so he, it, and then like the rest of it felt not so Lynchian that it was like a little more, we're getting to the, we're, we're getting through this scene, you know, or sure. this episode, not in a bad way, but it's like, we, we, we couldn't put this, all this into the se- season finale. So this is the episode yeah. before the season finale, you know? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Well, are you, I don't know, man. so a couple questions, are you excited to find out where this is heading. Like, are you, I'm just, yeah, curi- I'm just kind of curious. I'm just kind of like taking your temperature. Like, cause we're about to get into some of the heavier stuff. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the show so far? You know, you seem like that we've able to, we've, we were able to just kind of like make it this far it means you've liked the show enough that you didn't call me one night and be like, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm just <laughs> curious, you know, are you kind of like I don't get it with the hype? Well, is then the it's show. an awkward time to tell you this. Uh, <laughs> what if now? Got, right now is the pretty time. Pretty far for you to now quit on me. Um, are you, are, do you feel like I don't like I don't understand the hype, or are you, you know what? What are your thoughts on Twin Peaks so far? No, like I'm I'm excited to find out who finally killed Laura Palmer. Like that's going to be fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, no, like. It's hard to kind of think about this show in the past tense of 20 years, you know? Yeah. Like, um, because there's no way that I can separate that. Like, 
seeing it just now, I can I can definitely understand why people are into it. Yeah, you're at a disadvantage. You're not. It's weird to say that you're at a disadvantage, but you would never have the same kind of connection to it as someone who would have seen it before seeing everything that's come since then. You know what I mean? Yeah, and maybe like, I mean, and, and, maybe and just, I would though. And I, I think, think if you sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say I just wanted to say real quick. I think it's unfair to the show because the show paved the way for so many shows, but suffers from some of its own just limitations that it was, you know, 1990 on ABC. Um, if that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about like, honestly, like this is going to sound like a ridiculous statement, but in part way, I feel the same way about the Sopranos. Sure. Even though it's my favorite show of all time and it paved the way for what TV is now. I think that it also suffered from what TV was supposed to be then. So there's like 10 or 12 episodes of that show that you could completely do without. Um, They just didn't know that they didn't have to make them. (laughs) Um, So like, I think uh, I I get what you're saying there totally. And I think had I been into it at that time, I can totally see why it would have been a phenomenon. Like, because there was just, as far as what I can tell, there was nothing on TV like it. Sure. Um, they're kind of in the in in the era of um, like cable TV. There really hasn't been anything like it since. Sure. Um, so it is interesting, and I think if you're like really into sci-fi or um, like that kind of, if you if you're like predisposed to that kind of entertainment, I think you could watch it now and geek out over it. Yeah. Um, like anyone who likes Stranger Things, I think would like Twin Peaks. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's hard for me to go. I understand completely why this was the cultural phenomenon it was, but I can totally. see why it would be. And uh, and yeah, like it's interesting. I watch certain things. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I just watch it and I'm like, this show. Because how many episodes are in season three? Well, we don't know exactly. They've called it eighteen parts, okay. so we don't even we don't know what that means. Like that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm guessing that means there's eighteen episodes, but they're airing one and two kind of back to back. I don't know if they're airing it as one episode. David Lynch mm-hmm. has described it. He's described it as a feature film in eighteen parts, which like well, I've never that's... heard anyone say that sentence before. Well, I mean, so Inland I, Empire was close to that long, so. I, season three, I'm just like, if it was, if they said, like, David Lynch is coming back to Showtime and he's going to have, like, an 18-hour movie, I'd be like, I don't care what it's about. I'm in. Like, the yeah. fact that it's Twin Peaks for me is like, okay, did, am I in heaven? Like, is this really <laughs> happening? It's, it's exci- as a, like, for, as a Lynch fan, I'm just like, this is so great. We're getting so much output from him. It's literally like the Beatles, like, oh, John was alive the whole time, and they're putting out 18 albums this year. Like, that's what it's like for me. I know that's wow. kind of like, that might be over the top. but That's I don't pretty if, crazy. But I don't know if it is. So um, you're saying, so for me, it's like they're making another Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's like Fishbone is coming to your house for 18 days. No, nah, if it was the original lineup, yeah, I would be excited. <laughs> but not that crap they're touting out now. So the thing about you saying, you know, there's still nothing like this on TV. When we get through the next episode, I feel like that will be set in concrete. Um, the next episode, I it's probably my favorite. It's it's a it's a big one. Um, so I'm I as much as like I was excited to talk about this one, I'm really was like I want to get this one done, so we can finally tackle the finale. Um, it's a, it's a big one. It's David Lynch directed it. We'll talk a lot about it. Um, I'm excited for you to see it. And what's crazy is next time you and I talk, you will have watched the finale of season two, which, which was known by the way, for 25 years as the finale of Twin Peaks. But we now know that that is not true. Show is continuing on. I'm so excited that you and I are going to get to watch it, talk about it. Um, now, how disappointed will you be when season three starts and it's just that they're all still in Twin Peaks, but it has like nothing to do with anything? Like it's just them <laughs> having coffee and talking. 
<laughs> did you read the like, paper? Yeah, what I if did. It's, what all if it's right. just like it's like Seinfeld? Like there's like nothing happening at all. If it's like if it's like Friends, you know, and it like the, it just turns into like there's like a laugh track. Oh, that'd be amazing. If there was a laugh track, I would be so happy. Um, you know what, man? It, I have no idea what it's about, and neither does anyone else. And they're keeping it that way, and it makes me really happy. I don't want to know. I almost like. I hope that they embrace <clears throat> what was great about the show in the first place. They've talked about this. Is like David Lynch hated that they had to solve the mystery. And so what I'm hope my wish is for season three, because a lot of people were like, if this person's not in it, I don't want to watch, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm in. I don't care. As long as, like, I'm, what my, my one hope is that they kind of create a new mystery and they don't solve it. Or they don't solve it until, like, the very end. You know what I mean? Like, because that's what made the show so good to begin with. And when they had, they were forced to solve it by ABC, that's when, you know, we got the Pine Weasel and we got Little Nicky. And I, I just, you know, I'm hoping for a good solid mystery that takes up, you know, the big chunk of the 18 hours. But in the end, it's, it's 18 hours of David Lynch. I'm going to watch it no matter what it is. So if it's, if it's David Lynch's friends, what if he's like, I really like friends. And like, that's all it is. It's just like a friends ripoff. I still will watch all 18 hours. (laughs) Like I will. And I'll podcast about all 18 hours. Coop, where are you going? Ah, the central perk. Okay. <laughs> what is it? What was it? Um, was Lucky Louie where they had the Everybody Loves Raymond set? Like they just had the same set? Oh, I don't think so. What if it's just like that? Like they just have the friend set and like Coop? Dude. I don't know. <laughs> that would be the best. Yeah, because, like, yeah, what would be better than that? Like, that'd be so... Oh, that'd be so funny. Nothing was changed. Absolutely nothing. The decor was all the same. And they and it was just, like, they just took 18 scripts from Friends. Like, they got permission from the head, like, the writer. And, like, it's just, it's, like, just Friends, with but with Twin Peaks characters. Like, all, and they're, like, just, they use their names. Like. I'd love it. I don't know. I'd love it. Obviously, if you guys can't tell, I'm a little stressed out over season three and what it's going to be. But <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, it's okay. Maybe it's kind of manifesting itself here on this podcast. What? I guess I've only been waiting for 25 years. It's ah. not a big deal. Dallas, tell them where they can find us on Twitter. Oh, you can go to Percolator Pod at Percolator Pod. <clears throat> and um, you can follow me on Twitter at Dallas underscore MC and Sean at Sean T. O'Donnell. Um, yeah. What's the website? Oh, uh, additionthepercolator.com. And you can send us questions. Send, send us questions. questions. Oh, we had, I would, um, oh, was like, there was, uh, people are still listening to the show. It's so, amazing. Yeah. We're still getting feedback. So yeah. Write us, um, give us a review on iTunes. I think we have one review. So well, if we get, I, would, I think if we get two reviews, we get like a rating. Watch the – here's what I want to do. Can we try to do this? Watch the season finale, series finale, yeah. and send us your thoughts on it because then um, we'll have watched it and then we can read them. That sounds like a good idea, Dallas. Yeah, So our, just that. Just so you guys know, our plan is we're going to watch season finale. We're going to watch Firewalk with me. I don't think we're going to get to anything else. I don't think we're going to get have time to get to any of the books. Um, and, and unfortunately not probably even the, the new Mark Frost book. Um, which time will tell if uh, how, uh, how much it has to do with season three. I, I, no one really knows. I'm not going to bring anything up right now to spoil stuff for you, Dallas. But um, you. And then we will be hopefully getting getting to the new show every week uh, in the middle of the week sometime after it airs. So that is the plan. Um, anyway, Dallas, thanks for dishing the perk later. Thank you, buddy. And at what, when this airs... No, wait, I'm going to... You probably will already have gone on with Scott Thompson. What? When are your next dates after the next weekend? Um, well, the only thing I'll be promoting from here on out for a while is May sixteenth at yeah. the uh, Whistle Stop in San Diego, California. Okay, uh, I'll be doing a one-man show of sorts. Cool. Yeah, like it's kind of like my own little Mike Birbiglia story show. Awesome. 
Yeah, so it's an hour long. And uh, please come. May 16th, yes. it's free to get in. 8.30 p.m. Uh, at the Whistle Stop in San Diego. That's a good bar. Good times there. It is. Cash only. Be prepared. Cash only. So go see. They have an ATM, though. They still they have do. the ATM? Yeah. So yeah. everyone in Southern California, go see Dallas on May 16th. And um, tune in. Subscribe. And we'll see you next time with the finale of Twin Peaks. Dallas, thanks, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you later. Yay. Mm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face Then I saw your smile The sky is still blue The clouds come and go Yet something is different Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time Don't Let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes. Something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? Mmm. That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin.